0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Well, welcome to all of you for week 10 of Flourishing in Isolation. I hope you are well and you are ready to go get your Bibles open. As you know, we are continuing our exploration of what is known as the prison letters, four books in the Bible written by the Apostle Paul while under house arrest. If you've missed out the first few, then please do go back to YouTube or iTunes podcast. You can catch up there. And we are asking the question, what can we learn from these ancient texts that we can really flourish right now, today in isolation? And I want to encourage you to keep the questions coming. We love all the comments. We love all the interaction, whether on social media or email, do get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. And please do also keep sharing online however you want to do it. It really does help us reach as many people as possible. If this is helping you at this time, maybe there are others you could reach out to to help them flourish in isolation. You can subscribe, you can share, you can like, you know what to do, click on the buttons and let people know what you are up to at this time. Wonderful. Well, last week we finished the book of Ephesians. Uh, Nine weeks it took us to get through the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 6 last week, we looked at that and we learned how to flourish in isolation by learning to ensure that we are wrapped up into God himself and not just activities for God. We learned about how we lean into God to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We talked about putting on the full armor of God, the spiritual battle that requires spiritual weapons. We also talked about praying at all times to never cease on every occasion to pray in the spirit. That's what we taught last week. But this week, we're not starting a new chapter. We're starting a whole new book, the book of Philippians, which is helpfully in your Bible right next door to Ephesians. So if you finish Ephesians 6, flip to the next page and you'll find yourself on a Philippians chapter one. Interestingly, Philippians is also the home for the most Googled verse at the start of the present pandemic we find ourselves in. Uh, People spent time googling up the verse of Philippians 4, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's amazing that people are googling up that verse, not worrying about anything, to have peace in times of uncertainty. And the writer Paul in the book of Philippians often writes about joy. It's a common theme we're going to see over the next few weeks. Joy in every circumstance. And as someone who was living at that time under house arrest, in much more worse conditions than we find ourselves today, he was in a perfect position to address the topic of joy regardless of circumstances. The book of Philippians is full of truths and principles for everyday living. But joy is definitely one of its regular threads throughout. Paul knew the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's a source of power. He knows that the enemy wants to steal our joy and steal our power. And so by taking away the joy, it saps us of all of our strength, the belief in what God can do for us. But joy is not always excessive hilarity. Like feeling like you're going to laugh every two seconds. It can also simply be that calm knowledge or calm delight, a gentle feeling of being overwhelmed and confident with pleasure, just enjoying life. And it's important that our lives have joy, that steadfast sense of peace, pleasure, well being that we can only fully find when we are in a relationship with the one who made us, God Himself, the maker of joy. So whatever you are facing today, as you listen in, let me encourage you, like Paul, to rejoice, to be joyful. Even in the midst of difficulties or sadness, the joy of the Lord is available to you and to me at this moment in time. How good is that? Happiness is based on what happens to you, but the joy that God gives is a gift and a fruit of the Holy Spirit who dwells in all of us who call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ. That we need more joy in our lives and in our churches. Our churches need more joy. I'm fed up when I see pictures or images of churches look like they've lost all their joy. Our communities of Christ followers should be the place where joy is at its highest point. And I encourage you as we read through these ancient words, to let's be full of joy, to be those in our society at this time that are the joy bringers, not the fun suckers out of life complaining and moaning, but it's actually choosing to be full of joy. To give you a little bit of context today with the actual place that Paul was writing to this, the town of Philippi, um, you may have heard that phrase, you know, all roads lead to Rome well the town of philippi was on one of those very roads it was a famous road called the ignatian way the ignatian way was about 700 miles of a single road built by the romans that stretched all the way from rome uh, on one side all the way across to uh, what is now istanbul and istanbul all the way across to rome there was this one long road called the ignatian way 700 miles of roads Connecting many important cities and towns. And one of those, almost exactly in the middle in northern Greece, was the town of Philippi. It was a Roman colony and it was on this very road that Paul would regularly travel through on his way to Corinth, to Macedonia, to Thessalonica, all those different places. Paul would have walked through this place on a regular basis because of its location on this important road of the world at that time. So this bustling new business centre was populated mainly, they think, by Italians and those loyal to Rome. It was also the home of the first church planted by Paul in Europe. This would have been around AD 50 during his second missionary tour. If you read in Acts chapter 16, you'll hear all about it in those first verses from 12 to 40. And then when Paul left Philippi, he left with Timothy and with others and behind stayed Luke, Dr. Luke. You know Dr. Luke, the one who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he stayed behind in Philippi and helped shape that early church. And Luke, who also wrote the book of Acts as well, talks about that, as I mentioned, in Acts 16. So he was part of that development of that early church, right there in the centre, almost bang in the middle of this important Roman road. Now this letter to the church in Philippi from Paul while he was under house arrest in Rome, we think, was written a few years after the church had been formed. It was a letter of thanks, of of thank you for the gifts. They'd just been sending gifts to Paul. The church in Philippi had sent him gifts and they sent it with a man called, I'll try and pronounce it properly, Epaphrodites. And Epaphrodites was given gifts for Paul while he was under house arrest to keep him going. And as those gifts were handed over to him, he was then in return, he wrote the letter And gave it to Epaphrodites and said, you go take it back to the church in Philippi to encourage them, to encourage the church to keep going, to keep on going as you are. That's enough introduction of the town of Philippi, its history and uh, why it was written. Let's go straight into and open our Bibles to the book of Philippians and start chapter one, verse one. Always a good place to start. This letter, it says here. Is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi, who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Straightway at the beginning, there for some there is a bit of a an historical issue. Paul was by himself while he was under house arrest. He was literally in isolation, he was alone. He could have visitors, but he was under house arrest, locked down by Roman guards. But there we get Timothy mentioned right at the beginning. It's from Paul and Timothy. And Timothy wasn't there at that time under house arrest with Paul in Rome. So some people think this may have been an earlier imprisonment when Paul and Timothy were locked up. Maybe um, at the time around Colossians was written, we don't know, it may have been actually that Timothy wasn't there at all, but Paul was just referring to Timothy to remind them of one of the other apostles that helped plant the church along with Paul in the early days. And it may just be, it was from a time where we have got no records of Paul's another imprisonment that he was involved with. Either way, he is in lockdown at this moment in time. He referred to himself as a slave of Christ, not as a prisoner. And I'm intrigued by the fact that Paul's identity is still in his saviour, not in his circumstances. How many times do we, we, we put forward to people our story based on our circumstances? Here's who I am. Here's what I do. Rather than here's who I am. This is who I belong to. And Paul's approach saying we're a slave of Christ. He didn't say we're a prisoner of Rome. We're a slave of Christ. That's my identity that's an important point right there so this letter is addressed to all the followers of the way of Jesus Christ and it includes all those that lead and oversee the church which means that there's some elements of structure in place it's been created in Ephesians it was much more writing to a small number of churches that were small groups around the city in Philippi, it seems they're more formed. They've got uh, leaders, they've got bishops, overseers, and they've got deacons, those who do the work of the poor, looking after the poor and the needy at that time. And it's clear that Paul uh, knows these people well. His writing is very informal. He doesn't introduce himself, he doesn't declare himself like he does in other le- lessons. He says, You know, I'm Paul, the apostle to the churches. He says, Hey, it's Paul here. They know who he is already. He's well known to the church. He helped found the church at the very beginning and this church is financially supporting him while under house arrest, providing for his needs as he is unable to do so as he's unable to leave his home. So then we go into verse three and he says these words, every time he says I think of you I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray I make my request for all of you with joy For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Paul again is talking about joy. I love this idea of every time I think about you. I don't know what it's been like for you, but for me, many times over this last few weeks, people have come to my mind. I just thought, oh, I want to message that person. I send a message, a text. I make a phone call and I think, I'd like to get in contact with that person. How are you doing? How are people? Are you well? How are you surviving? How are you coping? Are you flourishing uh, to encourage them? To, Can I help you in any way? Can I pray for you? People have come to mind. I wonder who comes to your mind, even now as I'm speaking, other people come into your mind, think, oh, I should call that person. Make a note to yourself. Ring them when we've finished here. Get in touch with people. You can FaceTime, you can Zoom, but you can still use an old-fashioned, pick up the phone, dial a number and speak to somebody. It's always so good to stay in touch with people. I love the fact that Paul was just saying, every time I think of you. When you think of people, don't just give them a thought, give them a call. Make it known to them that you have been thinking of them. To start your time and your day with being thankful, to be thankful for what God has given to you to start each day with joy, with thanksgiving, to choose joy, to choose gratitude, to decide to live differently. I wonder how many of our prayers about other people can sometimes be, rather than blessing them, choosing joy over them, how many times we're praying more like, God, I wish you'd sort that person out. I wish you'd fix that problem. I wish you'd get them to be more like me. I wonder how many times our prayers are generous prayers that pray love and joy over other people, thanksgiving, blessing, favour. I know for me in this season, I've often been thinking and praying for colleagues of mine that lead churches around this area, friends of mine that I know well. And I've been praying for them and I've been ringing them saying, how are you doing? How are things going? It's been a tough season for churches who have been unable to meet in the ways that we are used to doing. We're having to find creative ways like this, going online to connect in different ways. And I've been ringing them and I've been praying for them. Not praying in a competitive spirit, but praying health for them. Praying well-being. Praying they'll be sustained, that they see great growth in this time of uncertainty. Praying joy because other churches are not our competition. Other churches are our family and we want to bless them. Every time we think of somebody, let's pray blessings and joy over them because we are all partners in the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ. Sometimes the way that we do church, we can over-professionalise all the leaders involved. You know, people are employed to do the good work, to share the good news. But it's actually a job we all get to participate in It's the role of all believers, Paul is saying here, and he loves the fact that we all get to do it, that we all spread the word, we all spread the message of good news, and the spreading will always go further the more of us that get involved. If all we ever do is leave it to the professionals, then we'll never have as good a job done, and we'll also never have the the reach like we normally have. You, You may have seen in the news that they've been talking in sort of the daily briefings about the R count, the R number that for the spread of the present uh, COVID-19 virus, that for it to stop the spread, the R number has to be below one, that you as one person will infect less than one person. If we go below one, the, the virus will stop spreading. It slows down. If the R count is two, it means each person is then infecting two other people and we're in a lot of trouble. We need the number to stay down. And I was reading this verse here from Philippians from Paul and thinking maybe there should be an, a sort of like an E number, an evangelistic number of above one. That if we want to see the world reach for Jesus Christ, we need to spread the good news, not reduce it down. We need to do the opposite from virus management. We need to unleash and release and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, if every single person led at least two other people to the Lord in their lifetime, we would see the church double every generation. That would be the story if we kept on telling people the good news. We need to lead others to Christ. As Paul is saying here, we get to participate in this. We get to do this together. We want the church to grow and it needs everyone to play their part. Carry on into verse 6. And Paul says these words. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. This is good news. The work of God is ongoing. He has not stopped. God has not said, right, I've done now, I've finished, I've done what I need to do. He's saying this is an ongoing process. You and I are a work in progress. We are not finished yet. We're not the finished article. And we won't be until the day of Christ when he returns. I remember I once saw one of those Christian t-shirts. You go to a Christian event and they're everywhere. They kind of come out the bottom of wardrobes and drawers, don't they? And people put on those t-shirts. And somebody was wearing this t-shirt "I said, Be patient. God hasn't finished with me yet. Be patient. God hasn't finished with me yet. And that's true for all of us. We are all Works in progress, but God will finish what He starts. He has started a good work in you and He will finish it. It is a promise. Yes, we have a part to play to keep believing in Him and to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, but God will also finish His work that He has begun. I know that it's frustrating to be in the middle of something and not know how to go forward, but at the same time know that we can't go back right now in may 2020 i want to use the date because if somebody watches this in a year's time this will make no sense to them but right now in may 2020 we can't go back to where we used to be that normal does not exist anymore and we know we have to go forward to a new future but we just don't know what it looks like and that can be really frustrating to live in between those two experiences but we know that god will complete the work that he has begun is just ask us to have the good and right attitude while that work is continuing. And that's down to us. To stride, to walk, to come alongside God's plan for our life. To not strive to do something in our own strength. To trust God and that know that he is at work in us. Verse 7. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favour of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. That God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. These are beautiful words. Paul, who's sometimes known as being quite stubborn, Sometimes he had fallings out with his colleagues he worked with. We're not sure often the reasons why. But in this moment, these few verses, you see that special connection between Paul and the people of Philippi. That they have a special place in his heart. That he loves them and longs for them. This idea of love for each other. You see, our church family is not just one that we have to put up with. It's not just one that we ended up with. We have to exist alongside to coexist. The church community should be one which is family, where we love one another. Remember those words of Jesus in John 15, the disciples, you know, I want you to love one another. That's what we're called to do, to love one another. That you and I should love one another, to have special places in our hearts for each other, to love and long for each other. I miss being with my church family on a sunday morning this last sunday we did a zoom coffee it was kind of chaotic but fun we got to see people have conversations but at the same time it wasn't quite the same as it used to be and we miss being together we miss each other we miss the conversations the interactions and it's never quite the same as being face to face be Give someone a big hug and say, how are you doing? It's great to see you. And here's Paul's expressing his words. He's under house arrest. He can't be with his friends. He can't be with his church family in Philippi. Philippi. But he's saying to them, I want you to know that I love you. That you've got a special place in my heart that I long for you. I want our churches to know that each other, we miss each other. We miss each other. We long to be together. We want to love one another. Our love for each other is so important at this time and then he carries on in verse 9 he says these words i pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding for i want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of christ's return May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. I want you to understand what really matters. I want you to understand the important things in life, he's saying. I want you to keep on growing. I want you to keep on growing in your knowledge. I want you to keep on growing the understanding. Those things are important. But what really matters is you live pure and blameless lives, that you may always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, that your righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. These things are really important. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. For those who are saved, this is an important message. We shouldn't just be saved and then carry on as we were before. There's a lot of talk around new normals. If you are saved, There should be a transformation. There should be a change that takes place. I'm I'm a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. We shouldn't just settle and say, this is okay. We must never stop and go, the mundane is okay. We go, no, we've got something greater. It takes faith to go forwards. Fear takes us backwards. And we live in between. We choose to say, I want to be a person of faith i want to be a person that lives like i'm saved a person that lives and chooses joy rather than just says oh look what i've got to deal with it's so much more than that if you are a christian a follower of christ you are filled with the holy spirit the day you say yes to jesus is the day you are filled overflowing with the holy spirit that's what's happening to you that love overflowing, that spirit overflowing, you are full of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit uh, gives us different gifts and gives us different fruit, attributes of our behavior. And if you're a follower of Christ, you should be full of joys, we said earlier. Joy should be one of those. But also, these different fruits should be regularly being produced in your life. You can tell a tree by its fruit, Jesus said. In the same way you can tell a follower of Christ by the fruit that they produce they produce fruit they produce how fruitful they are and the type of fruits they produce tell a story of a christian's faith in jesus christ and and my prayer and paul's prayer to the church at that time was may you always keep being filled with this fruit may it shape you and change you may it bring glory to father god as you keep loving one another as it overflows to each other. Love is surely one of the key attributes of every follower of Christ. If we don't love, Paul just says in his book in Corinthians, we're like a loud gong, we're like a noise, we're just like an annoying noise if we don't have love. And it frustrates me when I meet Christians who want to criticise, who want to condemn, who want to pull down, who want to limit, who want to moan about other people's decisions they're making. And I want to go, how do we reach out in love? Yes, ask good questions, but do it In love how do we do that how do we push into what God has got for us this time and so here in this this first section of Philippians this first letters to the church there in Philippi Paul is saying these things he's saying to them be fruitful be overflowing with love for each other to make sure you're someone who is full of joy someone who gives thanks To make it a habit of, of, of having an attitude of gratitude. To be saying to yourself every day, what am I thankful for? What am I joyful for? Who am I going to pray for? Who am I going to pray a blessing onto at this time? So as we bring things to a close, what can we learn this week from this first part of Philippians? To help us flourish in isolation. I hope that word hasn't got lame on you because I want us to flourish, to be like those uh, trees that are planted in the house of the Lord uh, in Psalm 92, that we will flourish, that we will do well, that we will grow strong and we will grow upright. So what do we learn? We learn, here we go, I've got some three thoughts for you this today. It's an encouragement for us to continue doing our part and letting God do his part, to know which part is ours to do and which part is God's to do. The problem is when we get those confused. There are certain jobs that only you're able to do and other things that we have to say, God, this one is your responsibility. I'm unable to do this. What is the part you play and what is the part that God plays? So firstly, I want to encourage us that one of the things that is our part is to choose joy, to choose joy, to choose to pray for others to choose laughter. I had this great quote this week, I, I would rather be wrong as an optimist than right as a pessimist. I thought it was a great phrase. I'd rather be wrong as an optimist rather than right as a pessimist. I'd like to live my life full of joy. I want like to live my life full of joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength. That I would be somebody who gives joy and blessing to others, to do my part, to pray for my fellow fellow Christians, to pray for those who have not met Jesus Christ yet. That's my choice. That's the part I can play, to choose joy, to pray for others. And then secondly, to say to God, God, I'm going to trust that you will finish the part you play your work, we saw in verse six. To say, God, I'm gonna do the bit I can do. I'm gonna pray for my neighbors, my family, my friends. I'm gonna choose joy. I'm gonna be a grateful person. I'm choosing to live my life that way. And I'm trusting God that you are gonna finish your work. That God will finish what he has started. He will complete what he has begun. He is the alpha and he is the omega. He is the beginning and the end. God finishes what he starts and God will finish his part. And sometimes all it needs is for us is to let go and to trust God, to say, God, I'm trusting you with what you are going to do. I'll do my part and trust you, God, that you will do yours. And then thirdly, and I want to say this, to enjoy. And the word enjoy simply means to put joy in, to put joy in. A bit like encouragement means to put courage in, to, to enjoy means to put joy in. Joy is a choice that we make. To enjoy, to put joy into where you are on the way to where you're going. To enjoy where you are on the way to where you're going. You cannot change your circumstances. But the part you can play is to enjoy where you are on the way to where you are going. Life is to be lived and live it to the full. Let me pray for us as we finish. I want to pray using the words that Paul wrote in Philippians 1, 9 to 11, to pray for those watching and listening right now, to pray these words. Dear God, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding of all those listening. Lord, I pray that those will, people listening will understand what really matters that they may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. I pray that they would be filled with the fruit of your salvation, that they will have righteous character, that their lives will be reflective of Christ Jesus himself, so that this will bring much glory and praise to God forever, we pray. May we change the atmosphere of our world through our fruitful endeavours we pray amen amen thank you so much for joining us today look forward to seeing you again soon thank you for more information about freedom church please go to www.freedomchurch.uk thank you for listening